Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. You know, it's interesting, uh, between services, this is the 11.30 and, and uh, you know, the 9.30 service. Uh, I want to just encourage you guys, 11.30 service, I love your heart. You guys are worshipers. We all are in the house, but I want to thank you today for leaning in. Wasn't that just a beautiful time of worship? And we just want to thank the team as well. I want to jump right into it this morning. If you have your Bible or your phone or your iPad, Philippians chapter 1. We're also going to be looking at some scripture from Acts chapter 16. So if you're new to the Bible, Philippians and Acts are in the New Testament side of, of your Bible. And I want, we're starting a new series today, and I want us to be in the book of Philippians for the next number of weeks leading up to Easter. Can you imagine that Easter is coming in about seven weeks? How many are believing for the snow to be melted by then? So we're entitling this series in Philippians, Joy for the Journey. Joy for the Journey. And you know, when we go on a journey or or we go somewhere. Do you miss traveling? Did anybody miss, miss some of that? Well, when we used to travel back in the old days, um, you'd, you'd pack your suitcase for things that you need, but how, how many would always leave a little bit of room uh, for some things to collect along the way? Maybe some souvenirs, maybe a few. So our girls, we travel, you know, and, and the girls would always leave a little bit of room in their suitcase so they could go shopping, right? So bring a few things home, whether it be a t-shirt or some clothes, Heather and I went to the Dominican Republic a number of years ago, and we saved a little bit of room in our suitcase so we could pack some vanilla. It's some of the best in the world from that part of the, the world, and so we brought home some vanilla. But over the next number of weeks in Philippians, we want to collect along the way some principles uh, that will help us, and I believe will give us a renewed perspective, giving us joy in this journey that we are on right now. Life is a journey. But the reality is this season is a, is a real journey as well. There are many that are feeling weary on this journey. There are many that are feeling tired on this journey that we are in. And for some, maybe you've lost your joy. But you know, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And this is what we're going to rediscover, that we can experience joy in all circumstances. And so Philippians in the New Testament is called the letter of joy or the epistle of joy. It's the main theme of this book in the Bible. And the apostle Paul writes to the church in, in ancient Philippi, the Philippian people. And he writes from a, a Roman jail in the sense that he is under house arrest and he is literally chained to a guard. And so despite his own circumstances, the apostle Paul finds joy. He is full of joy. And so we ask, why? Why is he so joyful? How can he be so joyful? He's writing in prison. He's in jail, but he's thinking about the Philippian people and he's writing to them. Well, Paul starts this beautiful letter of Philippians with a prayer. And next week, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the prayer itself. But as he pens these first words of this prayer, he has, I believe, relationships on his mind. He has friends on his mind. He has individuals, people's faces perhaps popping into his mind. 
And next to the joy that the Apostle Paul finds in his relationship with Jesus, which is the source of of our joy, the deepest source of our joy, he also is reminiscing and reflecting. And I believe the people from this church that he's writing this letter to, he is thinking about them and it's bringing joy to his heart. You see, the Philippians had brought Paul a gift while he was there. and, And as he pens this letter, he is responding to that, but he's also making some personal remarks, and he's, he's very close with this church. So he's remembering how God worked through unlikely people in unlikely circumstances to accomplish unprecedented things, as he writes this letter. So it starts like this, says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi and together with the overseers and the deacons grace and peace to you from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you and here's I want you to catch this I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen. And I want to declare that over you today. First assembly, I want to declare that over us, this church that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He is still at work. And I think Paul approaches this letter with such joy in his heart because he knew that the people that he was writing to, that what God had started in them, that he was confident and he knew that God would finish the work. And I want you to be encouraged in that today. Joy in the journey. That what God has begun in you and what he's begun in us, he will be faithful to complete it. You know, sometimes friendships come together in unusual ways through very unusual circumstances. Think about it. Maybe some of you today are married in the room. Think about how you met your spouse. Maybe some people met their spouse online. I've talked to people while we met online. Uh, maybe some people met through a blind date. Did anybody meet through a blind date in the room? Maybe online. Unusual ways that we meet each other, develop friendships, and, and get connected. Um, one, of the, one of my favorite movies, and it was a movie that I used to watch a lot with my dad. I would go to, over to his house, and probably once a year, once every two years, or whatever it would be, we would watch planes, trains, and automobiles. Does anybody know that movie? It's an old movie. Uh, Steve Martin and John Candy. But it's a simple story about how two unlikely guys, business guys, just so different from each other, meet, and they go through a circumstances. They go through a number of circumstances that, that lead them on a journey trying to get home for Thanksgiving. And through planes and trains and automobiles, they finally get home and a deep friendship and appreciation for each other develops. When I was nine years old, something very unusual and very supernatural and a very interesting circumstance took place in my family. 
We were living at that time in Seattle, and my parents had planted a church. We started in a gym and bought property and built a building, and everything was going really good. But my mom had a dream. And in this dream, God showed my mom that there was a place that God was calling us to, and it was a different place from where we lived. And it was back to Canada. And so in this dream, she saw a picture of a church building. She saw windows in this building. She saw a word over top of the church. And she saw people in this dream. She saw faces in this dream. She saw people hanging curtains and putting up wallpaper in a house. And as things progressed, we began to explore as a family where God was leading us. And we, we went to this church and Sure enough, we saw the church building. We saw the windows. And I remember my mom driving into that parking lot. She says, that's exactly what I saw in my dream. And she would tell our family, these are the people that I saw in my dream. And these are the situations that God showed me. And it wasn't until after that they were pastors of that church officially that they actually shared that story with the congregation. It was a great celebration. It was a great coming together of an unusual supernatural situation that came together and some relationships that formed during that time, I would say I still have some very deep friendships and relationships from that very formative time in my life as I was part of that church. But God brought it together in a very unique and supernatural way. Well, in a similar way, the church in ancient Philippi came together in a very supernatural, unusual set of circumstances and an unusual cast of characters that we have to go back to Acts chapter 16 to see the background. About a decade or so before Paul writes this letter in the book of Philippians, he's writing to these, this church. But earlier, Paul met some characters, namely a businesswoman, a slave, and a jailer. And some of these people became Paul's friends and partners and, and they were the cause, I believe, of the Apostle Paul's joy as he pens this letter because it says, as we read it, because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. So Paul was thinking back about the first days of how that church in Philippi started. And Paul and Silas were in Antioch. And they were there teaching and training and Paul had already done a first missionary journey and he had his friend Barnabas go with him and up in Asia Minor, they had planted a number of churches and they had gone and shared the gospel. And now they're back in Antioch teaching and as a launching pad, they decide to go on a second missionary journey. But Paul and Barnabas got into an argument because Barnabas wanted to bring a guy named John Mark with him. And Paul says, I don't want to bring that guy because that guy, last time it didn't work out. They got in a heated debate and so they ended up going, splitting off in two. So Paul picked up a man named Silas who was prophetic. He had a prophetic ministry and they picked up Timothy along the way and they, they kind of got a crew and they were up there in Asia Minor and they were preaching and teaching and they were, they were moving forward with the gospel. But then something began to happen. Their plans began to change because all of a sudden doors that were open before began to close. They tried to go in a certain direction and, and, and they, were, they were stopped from going in that direction. And then it says even another direction where the spirit of Jesus forbade them to go any further in a certain direction. 
And sometimes in life, when we walk out and, and we step out in faith and we go in a certain direction and we think it's an open door, and when a door closes, we wonder, are we even in God's will? And I want to encourage you today that when the Holy Spirit interrupts your plans, it's because it means that God has better plans for you. That when God closes a door, that another door is about to open. When we trust him, the way God works miraculously through circumstances, through people, unusual ways, we can trust and we can know that God is at work leading us even if doors close. Because God is the opener of doors and he's the closer of doors. Jesus talked about that. He says, I'm the one that opens and closes doors for you. So as they find themselves now with some closed doors, they, they end up in a place called Troas. And while they're at Troas, the apostle Paul, he has a night vision or a dream. And in this dream, he sees a man who's over in Europe, in Greece, in Macedonia, and he's calling them over. He's saying, would you come over here and help us? He has a supernatural experience, a dream, and, and God shows him somebody saying, would you come over here? So they get in a boat, they go over to Macedonia, and when they get there, they find themselves in Philippi, which was an old ancient city, part of the Roman Empire, and it was built around Roman culture and law, and it was kind of like being in Rome. It was like a Rome away from Rome, <laughs> and they were there, and they found themselves in that city for a few days. But when they went from Troas, the night vision led them there. This is what it says in Acts 16. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over here to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, when change happens out of nowhere, it's often because God is leading you somewhere. God is leading you somewhere. So fear not if a door has closed for you. Fear not if there's something that doesn't quite make sense right now because it could be, could I submit this to you today? It could be that God is working in an unusual way right now. And he's working through you to open up something that is supernatural and fruitful that you've never even dreamed of yet. And so... They travel to Macedonia. They get to Greece. They get to Philippi. It's a leading city. And when they get there, usually Paul would look for the Jewish synagogue. That's where he would usually start. But when they got to Philippi, there was no synagogue there. You, you would need 10 Jewish men to start a synagogue. They didn't even have 10 Jewish men. But a number of ladies were meeting and they were seeking God. And they found out about these ladies. They were meeting down by the river. And so the ladies were having a, a, a women's conference down there, a ladies' conference. They're down by the river and uh, praising God and worshiping God. These were worshiping women. How many are thankful for worshiping women? <laughs> worshiping women, I tell you. I come from a family of two, uh, two, I have two sisters. I'm the only son in, in, in my immediate family. And then, of course, my wife and I have four daughters. I, I come from a household of girls. And we just got a new dog. I made sure he was a man. He's a man so we can watch hockey. We can watch sports. He's my, he's my dude. He's my, as they say, my little doggy dude. <laughs> and, uh, but I come from a family uh, uh, of sisters. And, and I believe in worshiping women. I want you to know, women, if you are here today, that you are 
so significant in God's kingdom. And just the way that Paul and the team were led to these women. If you are a woman, a daughter, a mother, a sister, or, or an aunt, God has given you influence. Jesus came to liberate women. Jesus came to set women free and to empower them to, to be fulfilled in every area of their lives and to walk in grace and in ministry. Many of Jesus' disciples were women. And let's remember that it was women who were there who to first witness the resurrected Christ and the women became the very first evangelists. Thank God for women because they began to share the story of Jesus and they were instrumental in the early church. In no way were they at the margins of Jesus' ministry or the early church. Anyway, I just want to say that. But as they get to Philippi, instead of meeting a man, they meet women. What's going on? Well, God is working in an unusual way, through unusual circumstances, through unlikely people. But the first woman that they meet out of this group, and she was likely the leader, is Lydia. They meet a woman named Lydia. Verse 14, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. And watch this, it says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Lydia from Thyatira, she was there on business. She was probably there, a branch of her business in Philippi, a dealer of purple. And this was, this was like high-end clothing. So I could see Lydia. She was, she was a pretty, you know, she was a pretty, what do you say, on-point lady, right? She she had style. She, you know, level up. You know, she was the lady. She had the Gucci. She had the Prada. She had the look. She had the, the fashion. So, and she was a business lady. So she was smart and she was shrewd, but she had an open heart to God. And she became one of the founders of this church in Philippi. It says later that Lydia, she opened her heart to the Lord. She invited Paul and the team to come and stay at their house and her family came to Jesus and was baptized. And we know that this is where the church in Philippi started, was somebody with an open heart and an open home. I want to encourage you, have an open heart and have an open home and invite the gospel into your life and, and, and welcome the work of God. And so as she opened her, her life and her home, she became a leader in, in this church. But where's the Macedonian man? We still can't find him. The second person that Paul and his team encounter is a slave girl. And as they were going to the place of prayer, they, they met this girl and she, she had the gift or, or the ability, I guess, to, to interpret uh, you know, the future. She was like a fortune teller. And she made a lot of money for her owner. She was a slave to people that were using her and abusing her. And she was demonically influenced. And there may be some people even listening today, and, and maybe you say, well, I'm not necessarily a slave to anybody, but, 
but I, I feel like I've been abused in my life and I feel like I've been, I've been used by people uh, for, for their purposes. And, and, and maybe there are people though too that, that you've been struggling with, with things or there's been dark things that have been trying to attack you or you've had nightmares or you've had, you've had uh, all kinds of oppression or depression or just a heaviness over your life. Maybe you are, are facing something very evil, very broken, uh, very dark in your life. I want to encourage you today that God's power is here to set you free because this is what happened. It says that she began to, to say these things and she began to say, these men are servants of the most high God and they're telling you the way to be saved. Listen, what she was saying was not wrong, but it was the spirit that was pushing behind what she was saying that began to agitate and irritate the apostle Paul. You see, sometimes the enemy can be saying the right things and things can come across and they look okay, but behind it is not the spirit of God. But Paul says he was very annoyed and he cast out this spirit in the name of Jesus. And at that moment, the spirit left her. I want to encourage you today that you may be facing that oppression in your life or that darkness in your life. And, and you don't have to be bound up anymore. You don't have to be bound up in your fear. You don't have to be bound up in, in anything that from your past where you've been abused or you've been owned or you've been, you've been in some way hurt in your past. You can be free today. It doesn't matter what kind of stronghold or demonic stronghold is on your life. I want to say to you today, whether you're watching online you're here in this room. In the name of Jesus, be set free. Be set free today and walk in your freedom. And I want to encourage you too, that you can be part of what God wants to do in sharing this good news of Jesus. Because it doesn't say in our text, but church tradition and some commentators commentate about the fact that Church tradition says that this lady, when she was set free, she also joined Lydia and she became part of that early church in Philippi. Could be that Paul, when he was writing, I wonder if Paul, it brought him joy because he was seeing how God was at work, even in an adverse situation, even in, in a circumstance that didn't seem like it was making sense, that Paul, as he was writing, he was thinking, God, even that lady who was so bound up and she was a slave and she was a fortune teller, Lord, how you set her free, even though she was annoying me, <laughs> you set her free. And Lord, look what you've done in this beautiful church. No wonder Paul, even in his chains and in his prison, as he thought back about the early days, man, his heart must have been warmed. I met Lydia, and then I met this slave girl. Wow, she's even been part of that journey. And then the crowd turned upside down. They got upset. These men that owned this slave girl, they now were threatened because they weren't able to make money off of her anymore. So Paul and Silas were stripped and beaten and they were thrown in prison. And many of us who are church people, we know this story where Paul and Silas, then they get into prison and, and they're there and their feet are in stocks. And they, they, are, they are there in the darkest, deepest prison. But they begin to sing and praise God. It says about the midnight hour when it was midnight, 
when it was the darkest time, they begin to praise God. I want to encourage you that wherever you are today, that if it's dark, if it seems bleak, if it seems hopeless, at the darkest time, friends, it's time to praise God. And as we praise God, we, we focus on him. And Paul and Silas begin to praise God. And it says that there was an earthquake. There was a divine earthquake that, that came. And, and with precision, it broke the chains it broke the chains. I can imagine Paul and Silas, and they're sitting there, and they're, they're singing praises to God, and the earth begins to rumble and shake. And they're singing, hallelujah, praise the one who set me free, hallelujah. How's it go? No, death has lost its grip on me. Here's the part. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Can you imagine them singing that? And the chains are broken. And the prisoners have all the chains broken. And the jailer wakes up. And he was going to kill himself because if any of the prisoners got away, he knew it was the death penalty for him. But Paul says, don't do it. And this is what happened. The jailer called for lights and he rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas and he then brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a great question. There must have been a holy fear that gripped his heart. What is going on? Who are these people? They're singing in chains. And then this happens. Whoever you are, want what you have. What must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. They didn't say, take this class, do that, go to church. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. This is the power of the gospel. This is the joy that Paul was thinking about. This is the joy that Paul was writing about. I remember that time. And I remember that jailer. I remember him getting saved. And it says not only him, but his whole household. It says then that he spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer said, come on over to my house, guys. He washed their feet. And immediately, he and all his household were baptized. Somebody say revival. <laughs> revival was taking place. So now Paul has met the women down by the river. He met Lydia, a woman. He met the slave girl, a woman. Where's the Macedonian man? Where's the Macedonian man? unusual, unlikely people, unprecedented circumstances. What's going on? And as Paul was penning this letter from house arrest, now in some chains again, he was full of joy. I believe remembering this miraculous story Paul took great joy in a group of people that could never come together except God made it so. They birthed a vibrant church together, this group of people from this corner of the Roman Empire. Now the gospel was spreading into Europe. Because of this church, the gospel went into Europe, and history tells the rest of the story. Their lives and their story changed forever because God was working in unusual ways. Where's the Macedonian man? Now, sometimes preachers are allowed to use what's called a little bit of holy speculation. So 
This is not in the, in the Bible. Some commentators say, well, the Macedonian man was, was Luke, and some people say the Macedonian man was somebody else, or people have an idea. They, they, they can't quite pin it, but it occurred to me, perhaps, and just go here with me for a moment. What if, when Paul and Silas were on their way into that prison cell, they had just met the women down by the riverside. No Macedonian man there. They met Lydia. She's a great lady. She opened her home. This is great. The church, this is my little church plant team. They're kind of diverse. They're kind of not what I expected. What if the slave girl, no, she's, she's got a lot of discipleship left in her before she's a leader in the church, but thank God she's saved. But what if when they were in chains and they were walking into that prison, all of a sudden, the Apostle Paul looks over and he sees the jailer. And he goes, there's the man I saw in my vision. There's the man I saw in my vision. And what if that is what gave them the joy in the chains? That they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what was taking place, no matter the circumstance, no matter the twists, the turns, they're going this way, doors closed, doors open. They go across the water. They're now in Europe. They're looking for a man. They find women. They find women. They find a jailer. And when they see the jailer, they go, that's the guy in the vision. And him and his household come to Jesus. You see, their lives and their story, they give us reason for joy. And they gave Paul a reason for joy. Because if we look closely, we can also see a glimpse of ourselves in each one of these. We, we maybe have never seen ourselves as a leader. Maybe we've never seen ourselves as someone God would use in the gospel or, or moving things forward. But maybe we, it's because we have an idea of, of who we are and where we fit. But I want to encourage you, if you have an open heart and you can open your home, then God can open up something so powerful through you. He opened up a church that impacted the rest of a continent because of Lydia's open heart. Maybe you say, well, I'm a, I'm a business person and I don't really see how, how being a business person like Lydia, or maybe I'm just focused on making money or whatever, but God has given you the ability to fund the kingdom and God has given you an ability to provide funds, to provide ministry to take place, to see the gospel go forward. And you can be a leader, not just in the business realm, but in every realm of your life and in God's kingdom and in his church. Well, we might identify with the slave girl. Maybe we've been abused or mistreated in life. I want to encourage you and remind you today that you can be set free. And the jailer, the last person that Paul met, as we see in Acts 16, he was just a guy going to work. How many of us were just, we show up. He was the jailer. He's working for the Roman government. He had a great pension. He had a great dental plan. He's just showing up, doing his thing. He had a union job and never maybe did he ever think I could be part of the gospel going into Europe. I could, I could be part of something bigger than myself. I could be in the center of God's plan for a continent. I want to encourage you today, no matter what your job, your occupation, whether you are a mom and you're raising your kids, whether you're a dad, you're a teacher, you're a business person, you're in the trades, you work for a company, Wherever you are, you can be part of God's story. You can find joy in the journey of the gospel. You can find joy in the kingdom. You can be part of what God wants to do through this house, through this local church, through the church in Calgary. You can be there if you just have an open heart and a willingness 
to receive God's providence in your life. God works in unusual ways, supernatural ways, opens doors, closes doors, changes things. Things often are not how we see them to be. As a church, about three or four years ago, we began to dream about what expansion could look like, and we felt in our heart deeply to begin to pursue property in the south of our city. The first piece of land we looked at, we were excited about, but as we sought the Lord through discernment and through prayer, it was a unanimous decision that this was not what God had for us. It was not God's timing, and it was not God's land for us. Then we got excited about another piece of property, and we began to explore that, and just as quickly as we thought we were going to move into this future vision, the door shut. On the same day the door shut, another door opened. And about a year and a bit ago, as a church, we purchased property in the south of the city, which we're excited to be able to begin to share vision about as we move into these spring months and as the pandemic begins to wide down. Somebody say amen and things begin to normalize and open up again. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> By the grace of God. And I believe a lot of people say, well, what's going to happen to the church? And, you know, is it going to shrink? Are people going to come back? Listen. I believe that some of the best days are yet ahead for First Assembly. The best days are yet ahead for the Canadian church. I believe there is hunger. I believe that we are entering a day of harvest. And I believe that sometimes things look a certain way and doors seem to be closing and things seem to be delayed. And I thought I was going this way. Now I'm going that way. But as we trust God's leading in our lives, he brings us right to exactly where we need to be. He introduces us to people and situations along the way. And every time we encounter somebody and every time we encounter a situation, let us not despise that situation or take light or take it lightly that God has placed us in a certain role or a certain job or a certain position for a certain season, but let's trust that God is at work and that he is working all things together for good and that what he started, he is going to be faithful to complete it in you. And this is what Paul is writing about. And this is what he's encouraged about. And this is why Paul was finding joy in the journey. And you and I can find joy in the journey today as we have that heavenly perspective and we say, God, just do what you desire to do. I want to be someone like Paul. And even if the situation looks bleak, and even if doors are closing, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you along the journey. And I want to be part of your kingdom plan. I want to be part of spreading the gospel. I want to be part of just sharing the story. And whether it be through a supernatural dream or just showing up at your ordinary job, God works in unusual ways through unusual circumstances, through ordinary people. And we can be encouraged in that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And maybe you're here today, and before I close, you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus in your life. You can be inspired by this lady, even in the Bible, that we read about Lydia, who opened her heart. And it was the work of God too. It was God opening her heart, but it was also her participating. And maybe you are feeling something today and you feel like God is opening your heart to his reality. Would you respond and open your heart to him? And if you're watching online or you're in the room, you can just say a prayer just like this from your heart. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me. Change me. Today, I put my trust in you. Thank you for saving me. Come fill me with your spirit and help me live for you. 
You know, if you pray a prayer very sincere like that, just in your own words, you can know that you're born again. And at the end of the video, if you're watching online, there's going to be some instructions to help you take some next steps. We're going to have a Bible for you. We'd love to give you. If you're in the room today, Angel's going to tell you about how you can engage and connect with us. We want to help you on your journey if this is new for you. Friends, I want to pray for us today, but I want to close with this. There was a story. There's a story of Charles Spurgeon. He was one of the greatest preachers of all time. When he was 15 years old, he was stuck in a blizzard. He was going up a road and he couldn't go any further on that road. So because he couldn't go further, he decided to turn a corner and he found a small little Methodist church and he popped in and thought, I'll just pop in here for a while. There was 12 or 15 people in that church. It was so cold and snowy that the pastor didn't even show up. Aren't you glad that this pastor showed up today, even though it was so cold? pastor didn't even show up. So an old shoemaker got up and he preached from one verse in the Bible. And he just kept repeating it over and over. It was Isaiah 45. He said, look to me and be saved. Look to me and be saved. Look to me and be saved. And young Charles Spurgeon is sitting there listening to this man repeat, look to me and be saved. And the old shoemaker stopped and he looked at him. He said, son, you look really grumpy. You look really sorrowful. What's your problem? And he, he looked right at him. He said, young man, look to Jesus Christ and be saved. And Spurgeon says that at that moment, he said it was like the clouds parted and it was like the sun came out. And he had a supernatural experience with God in that moment that changed him forever. He became the greatest preacher, one of the greatest preachers of all history. It was an unusual circumstance. It was him just going up a hill and turned this way and he found himself here and it wasn't even that polished or that cool. It was just an encounter with God as the word of God convicted him. And so friends, I want to read again just from the very beginning of the text and I want to pray this over us today. And Paul's prayer was this, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day. When I first met that woman, that businesswoman, when I first met that slave and that jailer, from the first day until now, and here, watch this, being confident. I want you to be confident today. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you he will be faithful to complete it. He will be faithful to complete it. Come on, let's stand up this morning and let's give God our praise and let's give God our thanks and let's give God our worship today. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord, today for your mercy and your goodness and your grace and how you lead us. God, may we not be discouraged when things don't seem to turn in a way that we would expect, but God, help us to trust you in the journey and give us joy in this journey, in this season. Lord, not just about what's in the future, although we're excited about what you're doing and we have joy for the future, but also as we remember back and how you led us to this place and how there were people in our lives that were people who are participants and shared in the story of God in our lives. And God, we have joy today because we know that you are at work in us, that we can be part of the story for somebody else's life, for somebody else's journey. And God, give us joy in the journey, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's worship together.
Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church.